Hello, fellow nerds, and welcome to Our Nerdiest Thing. Today, we are live with a very special guest, author Sharisa Weeks. Sharisa is an award-winning author of romantic and historical fantasy. She crafts stories with time travel, magic, myth, history, and the occasional apocalyptic quest. Her most recent work is the best-selling novel City of Ruin, book two in the Witch Walker series. Sharisa resides just south of Nashville with her family and two wrinkly English bulldogs. When she's not writing, you can find Sharisa lost in a good book or digging through 400-year-old texts for research. <laughs> what a hobby. <laughs> Welcome to the favorite. podcast. Thank you so much Thank for you. being here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, and I was going to say there's a novella after City of Ruin, right? There is. And then is. we've got Kingdom of the Forgotten coming out. Oh, when is yeah. the date for that? It's November twenty eighth. Perfect. So, well, let's just let's just go right into this, Sharisa. Can you tell us a little bit about the moment that you knew you wanted to become an author and and how you were able to follow that dream? Um. So, I think a lot of authors have complicated stories about becoming an author because it's um, kind of a a difficult quest for some of us. But for me, I knew. Um. I think. I, of course, I didn't know this. But when I was a kid, really small, I was like five. I wanted to write a book. Lit- literally, that was my my first inclination. You know, after my mom reading James and the Giant Peach to me five million times. I wanted my own book. And so I told her the story. Um, she wrote the words under the pictures and she made the book. She's a teacher. So she had it laminated and put together for me. Um, and I, so I think there was always an instinct um, to tell stories. I had imaginary friends. There's always something happening, happening in my mind. Um, but when I was in high school, I think I was a freshman, there was a lady who came to our school. We were in a really small town and she was an author. I don't remember the book, but had painted something. And I just remember seeing her signing books. You know, she gave her little speech and did her little interview. And then she signed books in the, in the hall and um, they had a little table set up for, for her. And I remember thinking that this is it. This is what I'm supposed to do. Um, but even though you feel like that's what you're supposed to do, the rest of the world often doesn't think that's what you're supposed to do. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And back then, because this is a a pretty long time ago, you know, um, the internet wasn't a thing. Um, Learning to write a book, unless you had a teacher or someone who could really teach or you had access to, um, you know, I guess books that existed at that time to teach you how to do it. Like there just wasn't, we didn't have information at, you know, at our fingertips like we do now. And the thought of making money from um, an artistic career was not something that most people um, in a small town, especially would tell you, you could do. Mm-hmm. Um, and my dad, my whole family's creative musical. My dad had tried to make it in Nashville when he was younger and didn't. And so when I would talk about writing books, it would be like, you don't know what you're saying. You don't know how hard it is, you know, to make it off of your creativity. You need to use, you know, you have all this other brain, you know, that I was really scientific and I was good at um, anything medical. Um, so I went into actually to be pre-med. <laughs> and so that was my trajectory at first. Um, it took until my thirties for me to decide that I was going to actually do the writing thing. And, and I knew it was going to take a while because I had, three kids, four actually, I have a stepdaughter, 
And so, you know, we are, are, we have four daughters and they're like fairly close in age. They're, they were like six and a half and under. Oh my um, God. and so I was busy <laughs> and, yeah. um, and then my parents too, I was their caregiver as they aged and got, they, they got ill, um, both of them. So it, I knew it was going to take time. Um, so, you know, it took a, a solid 10 years, a little over 10 years for me to really get to where I could do it. Um, and now here I am finally doing it. Yeah. Do you have any advice for other indie authors that are trying to get published? Um, it depends on how they're trying to get published. If they're trying to (laughs) traditionally publish, um, I have a whole spiel about that. Um, if they're, if they're trying to self publish or either way, I would say first and foremost, learn. Um, learn all you can about this industry because it is a business and um, there are people on the other side of, of the business that you're going to have to deal with who may not have your best interest um, at heart and um, you know it's, it is cutthroat sometimes like you really have to be on your game and you need to just understand the how the business works not just the writing of the books because that's the fun part that's the part you know we get to use our creativity. The part that sucks, part most of us don't enjoy, is the actual business side of it, where we have right. to sit down and view it as the actual business, small business that it is. So, so who who was in your corner at the time when you were first trying to get published that helped you navigate through all of that? Um. So when I first started coming into all this, it was like 2009, and I knew I needed to learn. I just knew I had to learn. Um, I actually joined a local um, writing group. It was at the time Romance Writers of America mm-hmm. was, you know, I guess they still are. I really don't know. I'm not, I'm not a part of that anymore, but at the time it was pretty big and we had a local group here and um, it was Music City Romance Writers. And I joined that and just started listening to everything, going to all of the different meetings and a meeting every month. They would have special meetings with like special authors who would come in um, lots of informative stuff. I started going to um, conferences, uh, writer conferences, and reader conferences that had writer panels because it used to be a lot more of that. Like when you would go to a conference, there would be like a whole like three days for the like for authors to go right. to panels. Um, and so I did all of that, um, and I just absorbed. I had a lot of people who kind of helped me along the way. I couldn't even begin to make a list. Like there's so many that because back at that time you know blogs were a big thing right. <laughs> we blogged and so you could communicate with people and we did a lot of that there was a lot of um you know back and forth and helping each other and reading pages and everybody was so nice and um so there was a lot of that that happened um and then over the last few years I've really just used knowledge that I had and then um tried to be careful but even with as much information as I have you know it's still easy it's still easy to make a bad choice it's still easy to trust your instinct or your gut or to think um you know to think um that a decision is the right decision right and then and then it can always go backwards so 
um well, don't beat writing, yourself up if that happens <laughs> right writing is such an emotional journey so I would imagine it's hard when you sit down and do the business part that you're not still trying to use that emotional side of you right yeah. and assume that there's good in the world and everyone's going to be yeah. rooting for you and yeah. you know that's that's really tough for creative people yeah that's definitely the switch that has to flip is that you have to um, you know, thankfully I had some experience in business, um, and marketing. So like I, I was able to navigate that part. It wasn't, that part wasn't as hard for me. Um, it was, it was just not, it's not something that I love. I don't like sitting down and like having, especially like the tax part or any of that. Like I hate having to do that. It's so freaking <laughs> time consuming, but, but you have to do those things. And like, you know, you have, to, you have to do all of that. You have to, um, you know, you have to watch everything. Um, and it's just, uh, it's just a lot. It is, you literally have a, you have a business. Like if you think if you had a storefront, you know, that's, that's what it's like. You just are doing it from home. (laughs) So did you end up going (laughs) pre-med? I did for a little while. And then I, um, we ended up, I ended up pregnant with my first child. And so I, my, my whole, everything about my, that I had planned really changed because I thought there's no way I can do this with kids. Right. I, I knew myself well enough to know that I would not be able to make it. Um, and so I, but I tried everything. And when I say I tried everything, I tell you, I went to college for 10 years. Um, I loved learning. I went um, to nursing. Well, yeah, one of your hobbies is 200 year old, 400 year old text research. So. It's not, I mean, yeah, if I, I'm like a perpetual like learner, like you could just leave me in a library, I would be fine. Um, and so college was hard because I I just kept wanting to go back. It was like I and I couldn't get really seated in anything. Um, but I loved learning. So, you know, I did nursing, I did teaching, I did psychology, I did biology, like I have so many credits. Um, I never got a degree because I didn't have enough credits, like, you know to fulfill like what they wanted right um but I had like and more than enough for a whole degree I need the um, general knowledge I like to learn degree yeah right like <laughs> I really like biology but I don't want to be yeah. a biologist I really like yeah. sociology but I don't want to go into that field yeah. I would have majored in that non-degree in a heartbeat yeah yeah right I just I'll went ready took- for jeopardy <laughs> <laughs> I took everything and I, and I, I, I did, at one point I did like, I did respiratory therapy and I had the clinicals at Vanderbilt and, um, I was really struggling at that point because I was really trying to do the whole medical thing because again, I knew that inherently, I mean, my oldest daughter gets that from me. I knew that that was something I would be, I'm a good caregiver and I knew that I would, I would be good at that. And I thought I could handle it. And I did um, clinicals at Vandy um, for the children's um, department, the uh, pediatric intensive care. And I almost, I, I came home and sobbed. I mean, I was not, not seeing my daughter. Um, I was, you know, because I lived, you know, two hours away. And so right. the drive was a lot. Um, it was awful. And she's actually a pediatric intensive care unit nurse now. Is she really? That is so funny. And, and I'm like, I don't know how. Her first um, couple of weeks were really tough. And like, she would call me and she was like, Mom, I don't know if I can do this. And I'm like, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> you can't either. Like, like I couldn't do it. Person here. <laughs> like, I, I was not able to do it. Um, but she has saved so many lives and done so many awesome things. And so she's certainly found her calling. Um, 
but it wasn't mine. And, you know, I think that I still, I still think I could have been good at it if I could have got past that and not really had, I couldn't get past that emotional barrier. Um, but in the long run, I think I was just meant to do this. And I was going to say, I'm really glad you didn't because I (laughs) really, really love your books. And, and I can tell you your love of learning and researching lore and, you know, old text really shows in the witch Walker series. I had tagged you at the beginning of the year. I had read the witch collector. I found it on KU and it was blowing up on book talk and read it in like two days. And it was my first five-star read of the year. And I was like, everybody needs to read this book. It's so good. And so can you tell our listeners that maybe haven't read this series yet a little bit about the series and then also about the upcoming book, Kingdom of the Forgotten? Mm -hmm. So the Witch Walker series is um, a story that follows several characters main characters are Raina and Raina Bloodgood and Alexis DeVoe um they is he is actually the witch collector um I don't I, I this is always hard for me because I feel like I'm giving away so much information when like what how do I tell people what it's about without like you know totally ruining everything because there's a lot of there's a lot um in this story that can um be revealed but um so basically, Alexis is the witch collector, and he comes to the valley every year, um, and he takes a witch um, back to the kingdom of Winterhold. And basically, all the witches that are taken are trained and taught how to help protect the northern um, half of the kingdom, uh, because they're in a like a broken empire. And this empire, these broken continents are basically two to the south that are at war. Um, they're always at war. And so the North is sort of like the Switzerland, (laughs) trying to like stay out of it. They're very neutral, but they still understand that they have something within to protect. And they're very, they're, they're trying to protect that. They have a whole, um, the uh, Northland watch the night that actually protects the coast. Um, and so anyway, Alexis comes to her, her valley every year and eight years ago he took her sister and Raina has been pissed off ever since <laughs> she <laughs> literally hates the the situation that she's in and that she doesn't have any real control of her life that she's there she lives there um you know there's they're just all kind of duty bound well and she and, really tries to stifle herself too to kind of stay off the collector's radar which is interesting well yeah her uh well I almost I don't see I almost revealed something so her her magic is kind of hidden um and there are certain things that are happening but um basically Raina is a as a young woman she's 24 she's a young woman who thinks she's ready thinks she knows everything about her world and she thinks she's ready to go and like leave and go out and do her like get away from this and kind of break out of that bubble Mm -hmm. Um, but she ends up finding out that nothing that she has been taught is as it seems because history is often, um, you know, sort of twisted to, to, um, fit a certain narrative, you know, and so she, she ends up learning that, that history, um, isn't always what you are taught and the real history is not what you're always taught or like what you read in a, in a history book. And so, she learns that firsthand. Um, she ends up having to work with the witch collector. Um, and book one sort of is just an introduction. It puts them together to where you learn, um, or, or they have to learn one another um, and have to depend on, on each other. Um, and then with book two, Raina's world really explodes because she finally 
does get to leave the valley. She does get to leave the Northland break and she gets to see the rest of her world. And it is nothing like what she was expecting. Right. So, um, and Raina does not speak. She's nonverbal. She uses sign language um, in her, uh, in the valley, in the, in the north. The witches um, use, um, they, they create magic by song. So magic in this world can be manipulated in various ways. And the witch walkers are sort of the, I guess I would say like the more reverent, calm kind of people. Um, and, you know, seeing is it, their, their magic is very beautiful. And even Alexis, the witch collector, he tells Raina about how, how beautiful her magic is. She, she translates um, the old uh, words that are used, the old language into sign so that she can create magic. And so um, it's just a very you know, beautiful uh, way of doing it. Whereas in the, in the summer lands, which is one of the countries that's at war, like they have um, magi and they have a whole different way of, of manipulating magic. And so does the East. They have more like the dark arts, rituals, that kinds of things. This is how they actually control the magic within the world. So um, they're all a little bit different. And the, the series just kind of follows Raina and Alexis as they um, are trying to prevent a war. <laughs> I was going to ask, without getting too spoilerly, are you allowed to give us any tidbits of what's coming up in Kingdom of the Forgotten? So um, Kingdom, and I'll say this if to whoever's listening, that book three is a novella, but it's very important to the story. If you, if you skip it, you're going to miss a lot of detail. It really is book three. It's just a hundred pages shorter than book one, which is not, book one is not very long. It's 350 pages or whatever. So I um, believe you got that much into 350 pages and did it well. <laughs> I would have told you it was a 700 page book, but not in a bad way. I think one day I will, well, I think once the rights revert to me, I think I will probably to have add some points of view so that we can see different things are going on at that same time and kind of just flesh that book out a little bit more. I wish I had done that, but there was a fear of kind of going over 400 pages. Um, it was just like, you, you know, with a debut book, you know, like that was just a, a no, no. So I was okay. trying to keep that under. And um, I really wish I would have added some of the things in that I had written, but anyway, that's a, a, a later I'll do that later. But um, <laughs> Um, so the book three is a necessity. I think that it needs to be read. It follows two different characters, but I think that readers will love those characters. Um, I agree. And again, the story is just important. But then book four, we go back to Raina and Alexis. And um, I will say that book two ends on a cliffhanger. And that was really another reason why book three needed to happen. It's kind of a bridge. It bridges us um between you have to see what's happening um in two different places <laughs> and so that's what book three does kind of gives us that and then we go to kingdom of the forgotten book four which is a much bigger book um it's hefty and i will say that there are lots of points of view so it was it still is I'm, it's been tough because um the order of the chapters has been hard, harder for me than I, than I've had with any of the other books because there's so many points of view because right. there's so much going on in this story at this point, especially. So, um, but there's a lot of romance 
there's um a lot of good romance (laughs) (laughs) there's a lot of action there's a lot of um oh the world building just kind of explodes because there's just more um there's they're they're spending much more time We're, we're spending much more time in a completely different world from anything that we've seen before like when the summerlands um, when they get to the Summerlands and, and City of Ruin, I don't think that's a spoiler because we know they're going there. Um, they're, they're not there for a very long period of time. Whereas in book four, um, the setting for book four is is really deepened because of the length of time that is shown there. So on the page. Um, so it's fun. It's been that part's been a lot of fun to kind of build that out. Um, I was editing a chapter today that involved Colden, who is actually the Frost King um and I love him and it was great fun he is so much fun <laughs> he's my favorite <laughs> and I laughed while I was editing I was like I love this guy like I don't know how he is alive in my brain but he is <laughs> yeah well I would love to talk a little bit about the the representation you have in your writing so mm-hmm. can you tell us why you chose to have Raina be a non-speaking character and, and where did that inspiration come from um, so originally this was a novella. Um, this, my, my mom had Alzheimer's. She was diagnosed with Alzheimer's in 2007, I think. And she passed away uh, with it in 2014. And, um, after that, my dad got really sick and I became his caregiver as well. And so in, in that time, I knew, and still, still my kids are small, <clears throat> and I was trying to write, but I, you know, it was just really difficult. There was just so much going on in my life. It was hard to find, like, that creative time to sit down and, and to even consider sitting down and doing, like, a 500-page book or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to keep publishing, so I thought, so at the end of 2017, I looked back at my goals, and I had um, written down that I would submit a short story for publication and I hadn't even written one it was in December <laughs> and I was like okay so I went looking for competitions or contests or someplace where I could submit and there was um at the time there used to be Romantic Times magazine which was like a review magazine and they did Romantic Times book conference was which was kind of the apolycon of its day and um they had a an anthology contest and so I wrote a little 4,000 word story to even see if I could do short form. And I did it, won the contest, got, got to do that whole thing. And from that point forward, I was like, okay, I'm going to write short uh, fiction to keep writing uh, until I can actually do this career. And so the next thing I know, I had friends asking me to, to do like anthologies, to be the publisher of some anthologies. And I was like, okay, well, we have to have like, you know, lead people for this. Um, and so the first one we did um, was kind of vampire um, themed. And the second one was um, the, the theme was the Enchanted Forest. Oh. And so the witch collector was, I, I often get the title first. And so the title came to me first. And one thing I wanted in that anthology is I, I did want diversity. I didn't want to have a whitewashed book. I didn't want to have, you know, no representation. I didn't want that. I was like, if I'm going to be the person that publishes it, like, it's not going to be that way. So I took submissions and did the whole thing. And when I, and so I wrote the, I wrote the witch book. It was a, it was a novella. It was 20,000 words. Oh, wow. And um, so when Raina initially came to me, 
um, I, I couldn't, she never, she wasn't speaking. It's like, I would, you know, normally I see it like a movie in my head and I was like, okay, what's happening. And then there's like a scene with her mom and she started using sign. And I was like, oh gosh. Okay. So I was a little nervous about that. Um, but my, um, my mom was a special education teacher for 25 years. Um, and again, I, you know, we're all musical. It, it wasn't until after I had written a witch collector as a novel though, that I actually realized that and I, I was at her house and I, my dad was coming to live with us and I was going through all of her stuff and I found her signing books because she used to teach music and she would teach, teach some music through sign language. And I found those books and I was like, that's where that came from. Like, it was just not even, you know, cause I was a kid when she did that, but that's like, I, it, it didn't even register when I was writing it that, you know, that this was definitely, she was definitely an influence for that. Well, that's um, such a beautiful so, way to honor your mother mm-hmm. too. That's really yeah. Cool. yeah. It was just that. sort of like a subconscious thing. I think the witch collector for me was kind of a cathartic thing the whole way, even the first version and the second version especially because of editing it and working on it as when my dad was um, really sick and he passed away. And it just um, was a way for me to kind of just, I don't know, my creativity just kind of spilled out of me. And it was, um, you know, definitely um, the, the, the whole sign language thing ended up just uh, when I, when it hit me, I mean, I was of course in tears because I was like, I cannot believe that this, you know, that, that I did this and I didn't even I wasn't even aware of it it wasn't done on purpose it wasn't like I was like okay you know there's no real forethought about it it's just that's how Raina came to me um and then the you know the music with the magic and the whole thing um it was just a, a part of my life I think that happens to a lot of writers though you know that's beautiful something so deeply ingrained that it's like a subconscious mm-hmm. right awareness not even at the top of your brain. That's really cool. Um, well, I'm going to do a quick nerdy and dirty speed round with you. And then Mindy's going to ask you three tough questions and four random questions. Okay. So our nerdy and dirty speed round is just a set of prompts and you just give us the first thing that pops into your head. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Last song you listened to. Oh God. Um, this is terrible. Um, you can also pass. <laughs> <laughs> now the last song I'm trying to think of the name because it's this really long thing. Um, it's a, I don't I can't I can't think. It's Fleischman and by Fleischman and somebody. It's I think it's called Beautiful Boy or maybe I'm thinking it wrong. I have a Spotify that's got a million songs and I don't listen to Me much too. mainstream music. So I listen to a lot of alternative and songs that most people don't know. <laughs> that sounds like me. <laughs> like I, I listen to Taylor Swift. <laughs> yes, you do. Yes, you do. We love T Swift. Okay. Uh, what fictional character do you have a crush on? Mm, Alexis the Bow. <laughs> I was so hoping you were going to say that. I was like, there's not really better characters than that. So, yeah, I do. What is a book series you always recommend? Um. It is the, I don't know the name of the series, but the book one, it's actually right there, um, is Daughter of Smoke and Bone by Lainey Taylor. Um, and there are three books in that, in that series. I always recommend that one. The, the first book was one of my favorites for a long time. 
right. Adding it to the list. Phenomenal. Uh, what TV series should everyone watch? Okay, I suck at this because I don't watch much TV. Um, you said Ted Lasso earlier. I, I did. You ball That's all weekend. Yeah. yeah, that was great. So that or like Shit's Creek. I love Shit's Creek. Um, Those are both like the, excellent. Yeah, yeah. Excellent options. A book character that you would get nerdy and dirty with. Alexis DeBose. <laughs> what Absolutely. Is, what is a food that you refuse to eat? Um, cucumbers. Well, that's a new one. That's interesting. <laughs> I don't like pickles or cucumbers. Nothing. I was you. just about to say pickles also then, I guess. Yes. It ruins son, everything if it touches it. <laughs> my son will drink like the pickle juice. Oh, it's, I, it's so nasty. No, that's so good. Oh, so, I like no, pickles, but not that much. Yes, yeah, me too. <laughs> what is a paranormal power that you would like to have? Oh, uh, uh, teleportation. That's See, I would still be late. That, then I, I wouldn't have an excuse for being late. I would say when I think of that, I think I would go, I would go back in time or I would go, I would go see all kinds of things. Do you want like the um, TARDIS is what you really need. Yeah. From yeah. yeah. Travel through time and space. Right. Yeah. yeah. Or space yeah. and time. Yeah. Uh, what is your favorite <laughs> weekend activity? Um. When I'm not writing, my favorite weekend activity is um, reading. <laughs> Same. Same. Yeah. <laughs> Smut or plot? I'm sorry. Smut or plot? Okay, I don't think we have to choose. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. I think you can have. I think you can have both. But if I had to choose, I would have to choose plot. Yeah. Yeah. Favorite childhood book. Um, James and the Giant Peach. Yeah, that's a good one. What are you currently reading or uh, what's the last book you read that you loved? Um, the last book I read that I love was A River of Golden Bones by um, A.K. Mulford. Um, she, uh, it's coming, I can't remember it's coming out. Um, but, um, I read that. Also read Divine, uh, is it Divine Rivals? Is it called? I really liked that book too. I accidentally got two copies of that and still haven't read it, but it's like, it's <laughs> so way good. up here on my list. It's just, you know, getting to it. It very much fits. I also write historical fantasy, so it very much fits that side of me that I like, you know, the kind of books I like for that. <laughs> um, so it, it was perfect for me for that, yeah. And last in the speed round, what is a guilty pleasure that you rarely share with others? Like, I don't know if I understand the question. <laughs> like that you don't normally tell people. Oh, okay. But now you're telling uh, yeah. a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> um, a guilty pleasure. Um, y'all can't say that on here. <laughs> you, you can say just about anything on here. <laughs> no, I can't. <laughs> All right, we got to pass. pass. We're going to respect that. We will respect that. So we're going to move on. I don't know if it's going to get that much easier because now we're moving on to three tough questions. And these are all writing related. Ask her what are guilty pleasures again. (laughs) Related to writing, what's your guilty pleasure? No, just kidding. So what's a scene that you edited out of a book that you really, really wish you'd been able to keep in? Um, so, um, 
Ugh. There's a scene in, um, it's actually in this book that I'm working on now. It just didn't fit. It was literally just my brain wishing it could fit. <laughs> it was um, a love scene between uh, Colden and another character. I won't say who. Um, it was happened too early on. And it, it was, it would have fit for Colden, honestly, because of just how he is. Um, but, it, but it, it, um, it just didn't work. It was just too soon in the book and it didn't just didn't jive. So I had to cut it. I had to make myself cut it because I was like, <laughs> oh, like I loved it so much because it, it does fit him. But I, I just felt like the situation, it probably didn't fit. Um, so that was a tough decision. It also made the chapter too long. And it sounds that like make its way it. onto Patreon. <laughs> Probably so because it was great. Okay. <laughs> wait. Good wait. to know. Good to know. Watch out for that, listeners. Uh, what is, and I feel like you probably have a lot of these because you're so research oriented. What's a super specific detail about one of your characters that doesn't actually like change the story at all, but makes you really, really love that character? Mm, um, I remember reading this question on your list and I was like, I don't know. Um, <laughs> And I actually do know now I'm just sitting here thinking about it because this is something that I noticed today as I was editing. I keep coming back to Colden because he, I've been editing his scenes. Um, but he likes babies. Oh, that's, that's really he cute. really yeah. loves oh, babies. And he sees the little baby and he like, you know, tickles its cheek. And, um, but, I, but I'm also going to say this. For anybody who's listening, because I love torturing my readers, <laughs> I don't do I don't do anything without a reason, and I don't give a character um, something like that, you know, without a reason. Without so, for real, mm-hmm. yeah. But there's right. a there's a reason for everything. Yeah. Okay. Noted. <laughs> <laughs> do you have any writing rituals that you that may just be different from other writers? Something unique to you? when I'm drafting and I'm like not in a rush or I'm not, I don't want to say in a rush, but not when I feel like pressure, like when I'm editing in the last phases, I meant I, I feel a lot of immense pressure because there's a deadline really looming and I'm like trying to get everything perfect. Um, when I'm drafting, I don't really have that. And so it's like la la land. Like I, I light my um, white sage in, in the sage in my room and I have, to, you know, make sure I have a candle going and I, you know, I do all of those things. Well, you know, the kind the of ambiance. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm like, I have stuff going. Um, I, I don't have music. I'm not, in, I love music. Music is my part of, huge part of my life, but I cannot write and have music going. But I love to have like a window open and, you know, sage burning. I have my little crystals and all my stuff over here um, set up and exactly like we're supposed to be. <laughs> like, everything just has to be like it's supposed to be. And that's, that's what's, what's going on when I'm drafting. Very cool. Very cool. So now we're going to move on to four random questions. These are a little lighter. (laughs) So, and uh, I don't think any of, well, one of them is a little writing specific. Uh, First of all, what is your astrological sign? And do you relate to any of that sign's tendencies? I'm an Aquarius. Me too. Absolutely. I, do. I guarantee um, you we have the same music taste i was gonna say you two remind me so much of each other. that's how you would have yeah. to write too you'd be like i need to burn this I did, yeah i totally would <laughs> yeah like uh, you know i do have like a cleaning ritual like before i can sit down to write i have to have the house 
or at least the room I'm in has to be clean. That's how I um, have book too. That's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> and I have to like light my candles and it's just like a, I have, I do have that ritual that, that has to happen. Um, but yeah, I am definitely an Aquarius and it's very, I'm very much my sign. So. <laughs> I am too. So what scene from a book makes you blush? <laughs> um, there's not a whole lot that I've read that makes me blush. <laughs> Other, what makes me blush more is something that I've written. Um, <laughs> and and uh, so in you book tell. three, in book three um, of the Witch Walker series, the, that book is called The Wolf and the Witch. Um, there is a scene, chapter thirty, that is. Uh, <laughs> I can't say it without ruining it, but. Um, <laughs> it is a lot it you know, it's the spiciest <laughs> thing I've ever uh, written and it was um I had like I have one lady who did this TikTok and she was like this is the smuttiest thing I've ever read and she's like this is the dirtiest and I'm like oh my gosh I'm like it's I, I, I feel like it's pretty up there but I don't think it's the worst I, and, uh, I was gonna say I don't know if my smut reader is like off the chart because no. it was a good it was a great scene but I I would it was great like you know what I mean but I'm like yeah it was good it scene. wasn't like yeah right. it but, wasn't disgusting or anything yeah. like that no yeah. yeah like I've read I have read things that were worse that you know that were this I kind of I feel like it's again I feel like it's it, it's my kind of love scene where it is a little bit graphic, but there's always going to be like a romantic element and plot. There's always going to be a plot. Say, I think what makes it so it. good is the character development behind the romance, yeah. right? Like there, it's not just a hookup and, and you know what I mean? Right. There's a lot of emotion behind it. And I think that's what makes it feel so sexy, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. And I try Intimate to hide. <laughs> yeah, that's sure. right. I like and that I try, I try to hide plot in my love scenes, but, <laughs> but that scene still makes me blush because I I, when I think about my like my extended family reading it I'm I was just mortified. about to say that yeah mortified I, I'm like please don't just please yeah, read your please book. don't um my oldest daughter read book one she doesn't think she's gonna survive book two so she's <laughs> like I don't know that I could do that um and and so yeah they're just not they're like yeah you know they're their like, friends I'm... read it and torture them no, no. that's what oh, that's even better and again yeah. I don't know what's wrong I don't like I don't feel like book one is very smut heavy there's a couple no of in there but yeah I I mean so yeah, if she yeah, can't handle that she probably stop she's but... gonna not gonna make it so I, yeah so she says so she hears down. my voice right. she, <laughs> she, she says she hears me reading it so it oh, just yeah, is that not would, cool. Uh, yeah, that would be kind of weird. I can I can get that. Yeah, I can yeah. see that. Yeah, I get that. So <laughs> have you ever seen a ghost or had any paranormal experiences? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, this is crazy because I, I would have not been the kind of person who believed in ghosts, honestly. Um, probably 10 years ago, I would have been like, mm. um, but we we have a ghost. I am 1000% sure we have a ghost in this house. Um, we've, we've had like incidences of um, our lights coming on when the switch is not even flipped. We were like laying in bed and the light would come on. Um, we had a really yeah. major incident with, um, there's always a lot of stuff with lights that obviously likes lights. But we also had one night we laid down to go to sleep, my husband and I, and, and when we turned over and 
were back to back, there was a hiss in between us. I mean, oh my god, that would I my hair just my it was bumps. yes, it was as it was like literally like having a person laying between us that hissed really and you loud. Both heard it. No. We both heard it. We no. both flipped over at the same time, and 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 he was like, "What was that?" And I was like, it "Was you?" He was like, "Was it me?" It was you? I was like, "What did you hear?" He's like, "I heard a hiss," and I was like, "I heard a hiss." And then we both just kind of froze, and we were freaked out. Like yeah, that was freaked me out. out. <laughs> we were so freaked out. We didn't want to move. We were like little kids under the cover, you know, like like oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Burn the house down. Your, um, ghost, your ghost doesn't want you and your husband sleeping back to bed. Well, and then my my husband oh, texting my kids. I'm like, is one of you in here? <laughs> like I was just like, are y'all got like are y'all messing with us? Like it was that intense. Like we would not get out of bed. We were um super scared. But like I, yeah, there was a lot of things. Like once we had a chandelier in our living room that had a crystal, a small crystal ball on the very bottom of it. And my dad had gotten up there again. This was years ago. My dad got up there to help me clean. He was helping me clean. He helped me clean the light. And he he broke that crystal ball off on accident. I put it in a, our junk drawer, you know, in the kitchen, and left it. And then it came up missing. And we were like, I, I was going to get it out, glue it on one day, and I couldn't find it. I was like, it doesn't exist anymore. And so several years later, I was cleaning, and we have dogs, and our dogs were in the kitchen as dogs do, watching me. They're laying there watching me clean, and um, all of a sudden, I hear something that sounds like glass hitting glass, and I my dogs turn and I I'm, I'm in the house with nobody it's just me and my dogs and I leaned over to look into the living room and that crystal ball had fallen out of the sky and landed on our fireplace marble and looked like had like bounced on the fireplace marble and it was not anywhere around like we have a mantle that had a mirror and had like two greenery things it was not on that mantle. I had just cleaned it. It was, it was not there. Um, and that thing landed. <laughs> I was like, you've got to be kidding me. But we've also seen like figures walking past mirrors. We've had people who've stayed here to like house sit who have seen wow. figures. I'm never going had, to house sit. Oh, right. Right. I'm so freaked out. Right and <laughs> I have a lot of old stuff in this house. I have, like, I, I bought like a, um, a shopping, um, it's like a shopping guide from a 1925 like um uh department store it's like how they would shop that's how they knew where everything was like a little booklet um but we have we have tons of that kind of stuff you know from things i've researched where i needed to have like details and i don't think i have to have details i've got to find like the exact thing you know so i have like all of this stuff it's just everywhere um and people are like there's no telling what you brought into your house like, <laughs> well now we know no why you have to burn sage yeah right? <laughs> i would be I like, definitely church <laughs> my, like, bring the priests my scalp is like tingling because we have something in this house but it's never been like that like that yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, Deb, do you want to ask the final <laughs> random question? Sure, because I know that you probably have a really good plan for this. What is your your zombie apocalypse plan? <laughs> this is funny I do remember this question because I was I was going through these back when we were going to do this before we all got sick <laughs> and I was going to uh, and I was reading these to my husband and I just started laughing when I got this question because I I don't have a great plan I remember um when so I got I don't watch a lot of tv but Walking Dead I especially don't watch 
series. I don't even really like to read series, which is crazy, I know, but my attention span thing really gets me with that kind of stuff. So if I make it through, like it's a miracle. And Walking Dead was one show that I fell in love with. And I was constantly thinking about what would we do? What would I do? How, you know, what would be my plan? And this is how prepared I was. I'm like, we have nail guns, right? My husband's <laughs> in construction. He's like, yeah, we have a lot of nail guns. Like we have buckets of nails. He's like, we have buckets of nails. And I was like, that is my weapon. That is my gun. That's all we need. I, <laughs> I am going to use all those thousands of nails that you have for no reason. That's what's gonna, that's, that's my defense. And he's like, that's your defense. And I'm like, he's like, what, what about the air that you need for it? And I'm like, okay. Yeah, this is still yeah. assuming there's electricity and all of yeah. that, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't have the greatest plan. Yeah. Try to I'll, run. I'll I'm not good at that. Yeah, I was yeah. gonna say, I think we've all decided we'll just be the first ones to yeah. die. Like, right. I'll volunteer for tribute. Yeah, yeah I fine. can't even make it, you know, without air conditioning, you know, like for a day. So it wouldn't, it wouldn't go well for me, I don't think. So we know that Kingdom of the Forgotten is coming out on November 28th. Can you mm -hmm. tell us what you're writing next? Um, so I have a story in mind and I'm hoping to kind of do this like as a Patreon thing. I'm a little not sure about how that's going to play out because, um, you know, I've had some things kind of like pulled from um patreon and like people have tried to publish some things from from that oh. um and so i'm like how am i going to do a whole book you know and protect it and so i'm still thinking on that i really wanted to do it because i love the i love doing that. i love being you know in the interaction with my readers um so it's it's kind of like um if you can imagine a post-apocalyptic setting in a fantasy world then that's where we're at and it is um as of right now i, I say it's angels and demons but i don't want to say like I, I i'm starting to veer away from any kind of um christian connotation mm -hmm. for that so they'll have totally different names for what they are um but it will be after the end of the their world um and yeah so it will just kind of be this and of course there'll be romance and there'll be something big happening I don't have it all planned out when these things happen like when I get a story like it just I get bits and pieces at first until it all kind of starts gelling together but right now my brain is so in the witch walker series I haven't had time to just sit down and imagine a whole other world right so, right well that's yeah. exciting I can't bits wait. and pieces bits and, and I pieces. do have to really ping your patreon here because I love the structure you have set up it's really interesting compared to other authors and artists that I follow because I think you have four levels right or is it five there's a bunch I don't know anymore but what's really cool <laughs> think... about Sharice's patreon is that you get incentives after you've been a member at certain tiers after three months so you get like little goodies in the mail but then also after a certain amount of time you automatically get the arc when it comes out which is really awesome. awesome and then the content that you post is just really really fun and she always has like extra scenes and character art and all kinds of cool stuff and so I would highly recommend it to everybody so and I was gonna say with that also I I have bought your books through your Etsy shop mm -hmm. and I know that you sign through there is that where you prefer people to buy or do you like them to buy directly from the publisher or what's your preference um it's great if they order from from Etsy you know whatever is the most I guess financially feasible for people I, I want them to access it however is best for them 
Um, for me, financially, the the better route is is Etsy because, um, like through Amazon, you know, I'm gonna make like a dollar twenty cents or something. Right. You know, like it's not there's um you know there's just it's not as profitable. Whereas, um, you know, through Etsy, I can actually make something off of a, right. off of a book. Um, I, I do have to take more time because I have to you know, sign or personalize it. And then I have to do the packaging and I have to mail it. There's a lot, there's a lot more work to that. When you do a thousand books by yourself, like it's a lot. Um, Your packaging is really beautiful though. I have to say like the the little touches make a really big difference. Yeah. I, I, I love doing it. I just, I'm like this next. So now I've had this like set up where I'm doing it like one month out of every quarter, I will actually have signed books on my Etsy for sale. Because when I was having it constantly, I just couldn't, it was like, it was just so much to kind of try to keep everything in stock. Right. Um, and so, um, I, you know, I'm going to do the one month thing, just one Smart. month out of every quarter and, and we'll, and we'll get it done and get it out of my hair. And then, cause it's, it's a lot when you're packaging that many books, because I think I had like 700 orders the last time I did it. And it was, most of them were three books each. And so it was so much it I it was a lot I had to like make my family come help me I'm like we you know I tried to hire someone yeah so you've got Patreon you're on Instagram it's Sharissa <laughs> author I believe isn't mm-hmm. it? Mm-hmm. it where else can people find you online um so I have a, uh, a reading group on Facebook it's called the, um, the rebel readers and there are some Discord groups. There's one for the Patreon group, and then there's a Discord for the Rebel Readers for people who hate Facebook. <laughs> um, and but I'm mostly active um, in that reader group and on Instagram. I will post a TikTok every now and then, but I feel like that's a reader space. So I'm not on there a lot. I don't tweet. Um, I am on Threads, some not much. Um, really, just Instagram is where is the best place to find me. <laughs> So the way that we always end our podcast episodes is we talk about our nerdiest thing of the week. So it's something we did or experienced and it, it doesn't have to be book related <clears> anything <throat> in your life. So as we finish up chatting, we'd love to know what your nerdiest thing of the week is. Um, for month. The week. You've been um, editing, so you may not have something. For month, <laughs> <but>. <laughs> um, I, I always have a nerdiest thing and it's just a habit. My nerdiest thing is that I read dictionaries night is that what you do to wind down yeah I think I need to try that fun (laughs) um there's also a website called edim online it's an etymology website and um I use it religiously (laughs) I I use it religiously to find the origin of words um the, the etymology of a word like where did it come from what did it mean 400 years ago because it could be very different from what it means now Right. Um, and so, and it, that leads me down like a rabbit hole. I, I start doing that and then I'm like, find all these other words. And um, yeah, so that is always my nerdiest thing. I've done that since I was probably like, I think 15 or 16. Like when I was like 15, I bought a book. It was like 1100 words you need to know. And that was on my <laughs> nightstand. Um, and yeah, to this day, I'm like, yeah, I used to read medical dictionaries for fun. <laughs> 
you so, really are the same. I mean, right? seriously, I already pulled up Edom online uh, on she my does, phone. Uh, she does the nerdiest vocabulary every week, and it always has etymology yeah. of words. I love that. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. I'm the word you nerd. That. That's what I call yeah. it. That's, I'm the self-proclaimed word nerd. <laughs> You'll love that. You'll love that site. I I'm, literally it's live already, It's like literally on my phone right now. <laughs> I love it so much. Yeah, it makes me happy. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on the podcast today and chatting with us tonight. It has been lovely this to to get to meet you and talk <laughs> with you. Thanks for having me. Thank, thank you so you much. Me. This has been just delightful for us.